Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Members and prospective members of the Philadelphia Church of God around the world have just received our feast planner. This is to prepare us for the Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day where we spend a tenth of all our income living like royalty, rejoicing before God, and learning about a glorious family future. Now, we've just gone through Passover, which is the first step in God's annual observances every year. And here we are already preparing for two festivals that are almost six months away still. These don't happen until October. And yet it is crucial that we start planning now for the feast and for the last great day. This feast planner really is an exciting tool to use. I would really encourage members and prospective members to read that and study that before applying for the feast, before filling out the forms of what site to attend. There's an excellent article in here that does show us why we put so much emphasis on the feast. And it's really about the entire mission of God's work as well. This article is titled why the feast is about service is by Mr. Ryan Malone. Now just, just see if you can spot why we would be talking about this in a program about God's work. Here's what Mr. Malone says. God teaches us lessons about the world tomorrow by having all of us serve at the feast. He quotes Mr. Stephen Flurry from the July, August, 2001 Philadelphia news of all the words that describe the meaning of the feast of tabernacles for God's people. Perhaps one of the best is service. It is through service that we picture the fulfillment of the world tomorrow when God's family will serve the world to bring it peace, education, and ultimately salvation into God's family. He continues, this is Mr. Stephen Flurry. in the coming months and years, perhaps even at this year's Feast of Tabernacles, you can be sure that God will test us to see whether our love is genuine whether our heart is really into serving. Can you carry the attitude of the foot washing, which begins God's master plan all the way through to the last great day and even beyond that back into the local areas? So clearly God's work is all about serving, but what I wanted to focus on is this aspect of God's family. God's family 
will rule the world in the world tomorrow. This 1,000 year period after Jesus Christ returns. And it really is a family. The entire focus of the message of God's work today is the Father, God the Father. Then there's Jesus Christ, the Son. He's the firstborn Son, which means there's going to be many more. Christ is going to marry God's church. So all those who are a part of this now before Christ's return will receive the greatest reward. But that's not all. Christ and the church through this marriage will produce billions of children. And it all starts in the world tomorrow, which is what the Feast of Tabernacles pictures. All the survivors of the coming great tribulation and day of the Lord will be rehabilitated. They will be healed. They will be taught. They will be loved. They will be served by God's family and they will have a chance to enter that family. They'll have a chance to go through a glorious transformation into sons of God. And so this family vision just goes and goes. It extends into that 1000 year period and even beyond the last great day, which we're also going to observe in October is about the resurrection of every human being who has ever lived. Probably around 100 billion people, people who never knew God, who never had hope, who never had a real chance to live the abundant life and they will be taught and Christ and the, the church, his bride will bring all of those people into God's family too. God's family will include every human being past, present, and future who chooses to be a part of it. It is all about choice, but it will be very clear to everyone once they are taught once they are served and loved that being a part of God's family is by far the best option. Really, there is no other valid option. Everyone pretty much will want to choose that. And that's what God's work focuses on today. We talk about this family vision all the time. And it really is the family message. Whether you're a member of the Philadelphia Church of God or not, you can tell how much God's work today talks about family. And it must be inspiring. It is the only message that really talks about the family from God's perspective. It's about God, the father, Jesus Christ, the son, God's church, Christ's bride, and then all the other sons that Christ and the church will bring into God's family. Father, son, 
Many more sons. Family. PCG Pastor General Gerald Flurry wrote an excellent book. This is titled The God Family Vision. And by the way, he also gave his latest Key of David program called Why the God Family just last week. And that's certainly very inspiring. But here in the God Family Vision, which you can get a free copy of at thetrumpet.com, Mr. Flurry talks about the example of Hannah and her family vision. This is the message that God's work focuses on. Hannah was devastated because she could not bear children. Her husband, Elkanah, had another wife, which certainly will cause a lot of division. I don't know how these men of the past could handle that. Just there's going to be so much jealousy there between wives. And so this was a curse in their family. But Elkanah loved Hannah the most. <laughs> so that's going to make it worse too. He had favorites. He really wanted Hannah to be able to have children too. But he also had to give Hannah some perspective. Hannah was crying about not being able to have children. And she didn't realize what she already had. The blessing she already enjoyed in family. This, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verse 8, this is what Elkanah said to Hannah. Why weep you? And why eat you not? And why is your heart grieved? Am not I better to you than ten sons? On page 21 of the God Family Vision, Mr. Flurry writes, Elkanah was teaching his wife a very important lesson. Is a husband not more valuable than ten sons? For a marriage to work, the supreme love must be between the husband and the wife. Serious problems arise in marriages when one of the parents exalts the children above the other mate. That's very true. Mr. Flurry continues, but this example is about much more than a physical marriage. It is really about our spiritual marriage. Jesus Christ is our husband, and he wants to be certain that we don't look to any individual, any man more than him, that we will never exalt a man or 10 men above Jesus Christ. He continues, we are Christ's help meet. So again, that's God's church. That's the people who are obeying God today before Christ returns and opens up the God family to, man, to all mankind. We are Christ's helpmeet. We are to love God above the members in the church. It is vital that we understand this lesson. If we love our husband the way we should, then we have that family love and family vision. You must always keep the God family vision in mind. 
So this family message, the family message of God's work, the only real family message that talks about family the way God sees it, we didn't just make this up. This is following the example of our husband. This is what Jesus Christ came to earth the first time to talk about. Mark 1 verse 15 says, this is Christ speaking, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. When Christ proclaimed this message, this family message about the coming kingdom or family of God ruling over the world in the future, he had just conquered Satan the devil. Satan right now is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. If you want a reason why the world is suffering the way that it is, there you have it. Satan is in charge because God lets him be for now. And Christ had to qualify to overthrow him. He went head to head against the God of this world. And he won in that war of the wills, in that titanic battle of the ages. And so Christ knew when he came back the next time, when it was his second coming, he would be the king over the earth. He would marry God's church and together God's family would rule the earth. He qualified for that job and so must God's people today. Becoming part of Christ's bride, that's a huge, huge job to prepare for. Revelation 19 verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. You see, that's what God's church is preparing for today. Training to be teachers and leaders, to be the best bride of Christ possible so that we can bring more and more and more sons into God's family. So we picture family all through these annual observances, the Passover where we memorialize the suffering and death of our savior going into the days of unleavened bread, where we determine to live better, to live according to God's law, knowing the devastating penalty of sin. It killed our husband. It caused family separation. God the Father had to see his son suffer and die. And he had to be alone for three days while Christ was in the grave. And we, who are part of Christ's bride, and, and all mankind who doesn't even know about that plan yet, caused that suffering 
Christ literally died for his wife, for God's church, and for all the sons that he would bring into the God family one day, for all mankind. And so we memorialize Christ's death. We accept the symbols that will bring us healing and salvation. And then we resolve to live a better life moving forward. Then we go into Pentecost. That usually takes place in June. And we, we focus more on marrying Jesus Christ. So you see the family theme continues in these holy days every single year. Then you go into the Feast of Trumpets. That's about the return of Jesus Christ. That's when he will officially overthrow Satan the devil. And he and his bride will rule. God's family will rule. And finally, the world will experience real and lasting peace. Then you have the Day of Atonement where Satan is banished. The God of this world who has caused countless amounts of destruction and pain, he'll be taken out of the way so that all mankind can have a better chance of choosing God's way of life and choosing to enter God's family. They won't have to deal with Satan's influence anymore, his broadcast. And then we get into the Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day where we picture transforming and repairing a destroyed earth and bringing all mankind into God's family. It's all about family. That's what Jesus Christ came to earth to talk about. And so we do prepare. Members of the Philadelphia Church of God do prepare six months or even a year in advance for the Feast of Tabernacles, for the last great day, where we picture a time when Satan will simply be locked up. He'll finally face justice. He won't be in charge anymore. It will be about God's family. Notice here, Ephesians 5, just an incredible chapter and so many parallels in here. It's not just about family on a physical level when we're talking about marriage and family. It's important to do those right. It's important to do those God's way. But there is ultimate symbolism there that's supposed to help us see the God family. That's the lesson that Hannah had to learn. She had to realize that her physical husband has to come before physical children. And that's what we also need to learn spiritually. Our spiritual husband 
must come first. There must be deep love between Christ and his bride, the church, before we can bring all mankind into God's family as his sons. This is page 21 again of the God family vision. Mr. Fleury writes, but this example is about much more than a physical marriage. It is really about our spiritual marriage. So just remember that parallel. Physical marriage and spiritual marriage. That's what the Apostle Paul writes about here in Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That's Ephesians 5 verses 22 through 24. Plenty of people out there today could tell you about the best format or function of a marriage marriage by definition no matter what anyone says is between one man and one woman we're to the point in society where people can't explain what a woman is unless they're biologists apparently that's what happens when we try to decide for ourselves how these things work. God made male and female at the beginning and man and woman get married. That's how it works because God said so, not because it feels right to us. God, the creator of human beings said so. And he put the man in charge. That's just the way it is. That's not degrading to women. That is a glory to women. Ephesians 5, down in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So you have this parallel between a physical husband and Jesus Christ and a physical wife and God's church. And it's not slavery. It's not oppression for the wife to submit to her husband. It's the, it's the kind of husband who is supposed to sacrifice And give himself for his wife, just like Christ did. And even if our spouse, our spouses fall short, we still have to strive to fulfill these roles the way God designed, the way God intends, because these roles in marriage help us picture family. And God's work is all about family and delivering this family message. So wives must submit, 
Husbands must lead in love and make every possible sacrifice. Ephesians 5 verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. So the man and woman leave their parents and they join together and they become one. One mind, total unity, united in in the power of God's spirit. And a successful marriage will bring happy children. It goes into Ephesians chapter 6, and it's talking about the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So Paul is continuing talking about family. It's almost like this subject of family is pretty important. If you think about it, it's pretty amazing that the Ten Commandments have two, at least two, (laughs) really, you could say they all preserve marriage and family, but particularly the fifth commandment that talks about children respecting and obeying their parents. And then the seventh commandment that forbids adultery. God wants to safeguard marriage and family not just because it makes us happy in this physical life, but because of what these things picture. Physical marriage, again, it's about Christ marrying God's church. Family, having children, is about bringing all mankind into God's family. Physical marriage and family point us to spiritual marriage and family. We picture a time during the Feast of Tabernacles, during the last great day, when all mankind will know better. They won't be deceived by Satan anymore into thinking that a man should marry a man or a woman should marry a woman or that a man can just decide one day that he wants to be a woman and then everyone else has to go along with that and pretend that it's true. Everyone will know marriage and family God's way and God's work today proclaims that message. Going back to this example of Hannah, she had to learn that her husband comes first. But then when she finally received children, when God opened her womb so she could have children, she appreciated them more than we could ever possibly imagine. Probably. Page, page 22 of the God Family Vision, Mr. Fleury writes, child rearing should start long before the child is born. Parents must first understand why God gives children. Hannah learned that by the time her son came on the scene, she was ready to dedicate him to God. She was ready before the child came. This is the kind of understanding it takes to be a proper parent God's way. 
So Hannah's perspective changed. She learned to prioritize her husband. She learned that children have to be dedicated to God the Father. Yes, physical children are our children, but ultimately they're God's children. And the same is true of all mankind. They're all God's children. And one day they will understand that. But when we have physical children, we must dedicate them to God. We must point them to to God. He is their ultimate father. Page 23, our job is to help build the father's family. Everybody will have the same father and the same family or no family at all. The father rules his family. He reigns supreme. Having physical children helps prepare the first fruits to have billions of children in the world tomorrow. So again, it points us to the world tomorrow. It points us to our future. It points us to spiritual family. So hopefully we all can use this feast planner that we've received and start preparing now for the Feast of Tabernacles. But it really is a reminder of how much this work focuses on family. This work delivers a powerful family message. It is the family message. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.